This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. My goodness, I'm humbled. I didn't know that, but I'm humbled. I'm just, I'm blown away. Uh, with just the mercy and the, and, the, and the love of God and the goodness of God. I'm just a, a, a little kid from northwest Arkansas. Grew up in a town of 3,000. My dad was a factory worker. My mom was a teacher. And uh, I got radically saved in 97. I'm so blessed. I got a blast from the past here. A friend, Jessica Rice, her and her family were so integral in the beginning season of our salvation and a move of God that hit our small town. And I'm just, I, I love the blast from the past that uh, the Lord's bringing all together. I uh, went about as far as you could into this world. And then on February 18, 1997, I was in a college parking lot in Fort Smith, Arkansas. A friend was preaching the gospel to me. I told him to shut up and take me back to school. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. And uh, he took me back to the, uh, to the school and to the parking lot. And right before I got out, the Holy Spirit filled the van. And before I knew it, I was shaking violently like I was having a seizure and uh, shaking under the power of God, seeing a tug of war battle between light and darkness over my soul. And my friend pulled in the back of the parking lot. He starts praying. And before I know it, I'm choking and I'm trying to get out the name Jesus. But all I can get out is G's. And so I keep trying to say, I'm I'm, G's. It kept getting tighter. G's. He's in my ear screaming, say it, say it. I said, I said, I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) I just remember taking a deep breath and with all the power inside of me screaming his name, Jesus. And right when I screamed his name, the hole broke off my throat. God came and breathed into my mouth. Come on, somebody. And all I can say for the next five minutes is I've got air. I've got air. I've got air. He jumps out of the van running around saying, Jericho's come down. Jericho's come down. I didn't know what that was. Um, I heard, I heard a voice coming on my mind about five minutes later and the Lord said, get out of the van, get on the pavement and give me your life. You're mine. So it's February 18, 1997, Tuesday at 1230. I jump out of the van into a college parking lot, kids running everywhere. And I start screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. And that moment I passed from death to life. I had... We had gone about as deep into the, the drug, sex, rap, all of that you can go into. And the one touch of the power of God brought instantaneous deliverance from all of it. I went home that afternoon and sat on my porch swing for two hours, undone by how blue the sky was, how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. And within a month, we had a drug ring of friends that began to get hit by the power of God. And we would enter into a season, our first six months, the... The, the, from February of 97 into about June, we saw a move of God hit our area. And again, Jessica and her family jumped in on that season. And I was blown away with the presence of God. And they took us deeper into the presence of God. But we saw half the high school come to Jesus. We began to have five meetings a week till three in the morning. And, and I just fell madly in love with the presence of God. I mean, who loves the presence of God? That was such pure worship tonight. That was such beautiful worship tonight. 
All right, I'm in a lot of worship services, but that was pure. That was beautiful. That was clean. And it was holy. And I just loved the reach of this house. It was absolutely beautiful. And uh, so I just fell in love with the presence of God. I had just gotten my second DWI before I got saved. So I couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) and And I had all these Tupac lyrics in my head that I was working hard on getting out. And so I'd just read Psalm 119 and read the Psalms over and over again. Saying, I got to get these rap lyrics out of my head. Still working on a couple, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and, and I just fell in love with the presence of God. Married my wife in 98. We've been married 25 years, August 1st, 98. We had our first daughter in 99. And then we moved into, uh, into a ministry that was going uh, 24-7 in prayer. And we jumped into it, and I just said, God, I want to I get lost in the place of prayer. i got to go eat this book. Yeah. i got to know you for real. Amen. I don't want to dance around someone else's fire. I want to get in the fire. Yeah. I don't want to live vicariously through someone else. I want to know God, and I want to be a voice in this generation. And I don't want to just be an echo of someone else's message. I said, God, I want to be a fire. So I said, God, I'm going to the wilderness of prayer and fasting. I'm going to eat this book until I and the book become one. And when you know where my address is at if you need me. And that's what I signed up for. I never signed up for ministry. It was never, uh, I'm going to go pray and do all this stuff to get anointed and have a ministry. That was never in the cards. I just wanted to be in the presence of God all the time. I wanted to, I, I, I am, and, and, and I think this is really key for this generation and I'm grateful for all the YouTube videos and all the stuff. But I got addicted to empty rooms. I got addic- addicted to 6 a.m. prayer meetings. I got addicted when no one was in the room. And I began to discover eye contact with God when no one was watching. And I began to get delivered from the uh, praise and the rejection of men. As you could get one smile or one wink from his eye. It delivered me from every other ambition and every other longing. I really think it's good that we connect this generation to empty rooms and learning how to make eye contact with God when no one else is watching. I think we get seduced by big and large and all the big gatherings and all the big stuff. And God's into big. I mean, the first day, Pentecost, 3,000 guys. He's not, he's not adverse to big, but he's after reality. And that's what I feel like is the countercultural movement that we can give in this generation that impact is not numerically or quantitative, but it's a quality. It's a quality of connection with God. And I believe and I'm going to stand as someone from the south. I'm from Arkansas right down the road. So I've got some authority to say God wants to break through the spirit of religion in Oklahoma City. God wants to rip the scales off of this region. Do you know that you can be a, a Christian and be blind? Well, what about I was once blind, but now I see. But if you think that you see too long, then you get blind again. Church of Laodicea. Church of Laodicea. Church of Laodicea. Church. You think you see, but you don't know that you're blind. He doesn't rebuke them for being blind. He rebukes them because they don't know they're blind. And self-righteousness and the spirit of religion puts scales and cataracts over your eyes and deceives you into thinking you see when you don't see. 
God, we desperately need an awakening. We need the spirit of awakening to touch Oklahoma City, to touch Edmond, and to touch this region. And it starts with a cry in this room. It's in this room. That was beautiful worship. It's a beautiful cry. Look with me. I just want to cut my heart open tonight. All right? I love seeing all the young people. And I love all the old people too. I'm among you. I just love everybody. But I just want to cut my heart open tonight. And I just want to bleed on you. If that's okay. Okay? I just, I, you know, you're like, I don't want nobody bleeding on me. I just want to cut my heart open and just bleed with you. I, I, I got a hold of a verse in my early days, John 17, 24. All right, I want to look at some of these verses. All right, this is what Jesus is praying right before Judas walks into the garden of Gethsemane and kisses him and he's betrayed. Jesus is praying what's called the high priestly prayer for you and me. All right, and I love what Jesus asked for. Let's look at this. Do we got that verse? John 17, 24. If you ain't got it, I'm just going to say it. John 17, 24, Jesus said it this way. He said, Father, I desire that those whom you've given me, look at this, that they would be with me where I am. And that, then he prays this for you. And then he prays that you would behold, that they would behold my glory, which you have given me. And he said this, for Father, you loved me before. Everybody say before. The foundation of the world. Jesus, I I imagine he can hear the Roman guard and Judas coming in to the garden. And as he's hearing them with eyes wide open, he's praying for this generation. And he's praying for the church of Jesus Christ across the earth. And he's praying for more than a social club. He's praying for more than a once a week meeting and some good people. He's actually asking the Father for you. And he goes, Father, I don't want a social club. I want a bride. I want a people. This is what I desire. I spent six months with Father I desire. As I begin to connect, God has longings. We always talk about our longings for God. But until you connect to God's longing for you, you're going to constantly, it's all deriving on your energy to reach for God. Most of your relationship, God wants to shift it from it just being about your pursuit of Him into you living out of the overflow of His pursuit of you. I want you to know that there is a pursuit that has been burning a long time before there was ever anything created. Before there was ever the sun or the moon or the sea or the land or the galaxies, there was God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God is a Father before He's a Creator. God is a father before he's a creator. And creation is the overflow of intimacy within the Godhead. God creates out of the overflow of intimacy. And Jesus is praying on the earth with his disciples hearing him. And he goes, Father, I don't want a social club. This is what I I call this his list of demands. Okay, I'm going to the cross, but you better not give me a social club. I don't need people feeling better about themselves. There's a desire. Everybody say the word desire. Desire. Oh, if there's one word that needs to lay hold of the church in this region, it's the word desire. Desire. 
Desire isn't passive. Desire isn't casual. Desire is intentional, focused passion. It's a flame, and it's a river that burns before the throne of God. Desire. Desire. What do you want, Jesus? I want the ones that you've given me. Look at this. I want them to be with me where I am. There's no husband in this room that wants your bride over there while you're over here. I want her in lockstep with my heart, my mind, my will, my purpose, my desire. I want a unity with her. I want her submitted to my leadership and trusting me. That's what I want. And then number two, oh, by the way, Father, I want her lost in the search and the discovery of my glory. I want to be her number one source of entertainment. Jesus' prayer for you is that he would log more hours this month than Netflix or Instagram or TikTok or any reel, but that he would log more hours in the search and the discovery of his glory. Out of words, John 17, 24, I got to see it. I got to feel it. <laughs> ah! This is Jesus' prayer for you, is that you would look at him. Think about that. What do you want, Jesus? Look at me. And be with me. Be with me and look at me. And I promise you a thousand other problems in your life will be solved when you get lost in the search and the discovery of the glory of this man. Jesus is the multifaceted diamond of the Father. He's the express image of his person, the brightness of the Father's glory. And then I love this. Jesus needed to pray this, and then he just threw this in. Oh, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. What's he saying? This is what we dreamed about before there was ever anything created. A bride. That's what the Godhead dreamed about. Was not a social institution. Was not a once a week meeting. But a love affair. Because God is a lover. God is a bridegroom. And the father is going to give to his son a bride. Who isn't tolerating him. But who's obsessed with him. What happens when you touch this, when you put your pinky toe in that river called desire? Yeah, yeah, uh-oh. I'll tell you what happens. Psalm 27 verse 4 happens. Psalm 27 4 is man's response to God's desire. Look at David. One thing, there's that word again, desired. Desired. What do you want, David? You're the king. You're wealthy. You got it all. What do you want? One thing I've desired of God. That will I seek. Young people, listen to me. There's a difference between you desiring something and seeking it. Most of you just live in fantasy of wanting it, but never transitioning your life into pursuing it. Let us not live in fantasy that because we want it, we think we're pursuing it. David says, not only do I desire it, but I seek it. Then he said this, oh, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. Why, David? What do you want to do in there? 
I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to look at God. And I want to talk to him. I want to ask him stuff. I want to look at him and then ask him things. There is nothing greater than when God reveals God to the human spirit. There is no high. There is no ministry accolade. There is no experience in this life that compares to when the Father pleases through His Word and through His Spirit to blow on little dull hearts like yours and mine and reveal the beauty of His Son. There is nothing that compares to it. When the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus in your heart. And when you get your taste and your appetites acclimated to that, the highs of this world, they're awesome, but they ain't that awesome. And the devastating blows of this life aren't that devastating. I've found that when the greatest pain of my life is the discovery of God, I find that the highs don't get me too drunk and the lows don't get me too lost in depression. That's why Paul says in Philippians, are we okay? All right, everybody take a deep breath. I want to know him. Philippians 3.8. Stop it, Paul. You know him. (laughs) Paul, quit being religious. You know him. You wrote the New Testament. Hey, buddy, I'm in a paddle boat. He's the Pacific Ocean. Friends, we're at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the search and the discovery of the glory of God. And God wants to break the greatest cancer off the American church, and it's the cancer called boredom. Our greatest impact, the greatest threat facing the, uh, America is not the culture outside, it's the culture inside. Wow. It's the ones that talk the most about him, aren't really fascinated with him. And God wants to break boredom off your life. God wants to break over-familiarity off your life. He wants to rip the scales off, break the cataracts, and release the spirit of revelation yeah. upon your heart. It's always blind people that get eyes out. Bartimaeuses are always ones that arrest Jesus. But it's hard for us sophisticated middle class Americans to be so impoverished. It's hard for us. We don't need anything and we pride ourselves in our self-sufficiency and our independence. And yet the kingdom... Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are hungry for righteousness. They're the ones that get access to the kingdom of heaven. And while the rich ones sit outside. I love Mark 10, 46. Jesus came into Jericho. Next verse. As he was leaving Jericho. You know what that means? Nothing happened in Jericho. That's free. 
As he was leaving, a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he heard, okay, he couldn't see, but he heard, Jesus of Nazareth was coming through. The Bible says he began to cry out at the top of his lungs. See, I believe there's a desperate cry that he wants to awaken in this region. He wants to break the happy, sappy, slumbering silence of, of sophisticated ones who don't need. And while he's passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody around him, all the religious folks said, shut up. This is not the time to look desperate. The Bible says he cried out all the more. What are you going to do when people tell you to be balanced? When people tell you to chill out? When people tell you, let's not go overboard and get fanatical. What are you going to do when you feel that push from the spirit of religion, cultural Christianity that says, come on, stay balanced. Bartimaeus cried out all the more. He says, y'all can play all your games you want to. Jesus stood still. A blind man arrested the Son of God. And now Jesus says, bring him to me. And all Jesus asked him is, what do you want me to do for you? I don't need to know your name. I don't need to have a little intro. All I know about you is all I heard in that cry. You have a blank check. What do you want? That cry opened up the treasury chest of heaven. And he goes, what do you want? I want to see. I want to see. What if, the, what if the American church got that cry? Oh, that I could see. Oh, for eyes to be opened. That eye salve to be applied. Jesus gave it to him. Spirit of revelation is coming. It's going to awaken a God cry on the inside of you. Get a God cry. Get a large appetite that no boy can touch. Look at what, look at what uh, Moses said it this way. Are we okay? Yes. All right, don't look at me weird. <laughs> Exodus 33, 18. Two, one. Please. <laughs> Boom. Please. Everybody say please. please. We need a please back on our prayers. Yes. We need a please back on our prayers. Moses, you saw the Red Sea split in two. You saw fire by night, cloud by day, manna, water from a rock. That's glory. He goes, no, those are his acts. I want his face. I want his glory. Please show me your glory. I'm grateful for what you do for me, but I want you. We got a whole gener- We built the whole system on what Jesus does for you, and I'm grateful for what He does for me. I'm grateful for forgiveness of sins, healing of my sicknesses, deliverance of oppression. I'm grateful for provision. I'm grateful for prosperity. I'm grateful, but friends, if that is the basis of your relationship. It rises and falls based on the season that you're in. Yes. Yes. 
God wants to invite you into something deeper than just living on the fringes of what you get from Him. And He wants to bring you into intimacy with Him. It is time for the church to get smacked. (laughs) John 5, Jesus feeds 5,000. They all go get their friends. Hey, the soup kitchen's open. Come on. John 6, Jesus gets his largest gathering. Okay? Largest gathering. If I had my largest gathering, what would be your message? I love you all. I love you all. Jesus gets his largest gathering and go, yep, I think it's about time. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Who's this guy? Is this the guy that just fed the 5,000? And what that kind of language exposed, he was telling, he told him later in John 6, the words that I speak to you, I'm not talking about flesh, I'm not talking about cannibalism, I'm talking about eating my words. Which means this, the fact they couldn't discern it, it's because it was a transactional relationship from what they could get from Jesus, and all they wanted was their needs met, they didn't want intimacy. And we've turned Jesus into sugar daddy, genie in a box that gives us everything we need. And he's inviting us into deeper waters called intimacy. And I believe in the heart of intimacy. All of his acts, his hand. I want his hand, but I want his face first. Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory, Jesus. A bored believer is a vulnerable believer. A fascinated believer is dangerous. It's not primarily about your rules. The fascinated honeymoon phase, new marriage isn't sitting over there. I don't want to have an affair. I don't want to go cheat on him. I don't want to. No, no, no. You're so lost. Why would I ever think about anything? Why would I ever look at anyone else? I'm lost in you. It's the power of the grace of God that liberates you from inferior pleasures of sin. Liberates you from inferior pleasures. And And religion keeps talking, stop it, I want to. Stop looking at that, I want to. Instead of connecting a generation to what they're designed for. Saying break all allegiance with darkness. Break allegiance with pornography. Break allegiance with sexual immorality. Break allegiance with every other seduction through the eyes. And connect that your eyes were made for beauty. Open my eyes that I would see wondrous things. Psalm 119 verse 37. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Look at that prayer in Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Y'all keep talking to me. All right, Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. This is the greatest, one of the great prayers from the Apostle Paul. I don't cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. 
And then he prays that the eyes, everybody say eyes, eyes. of your understanding would be opened. And that you would know hope of his calling, riches of his glory, greatness of his power. Eyes get opened. Paul had just spent the previous 11 verses saying you're all trillionaires in the spirit. Blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You're trillionaires. 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 And he goes, I know you Ephesians. It's like this. Ding. You don't have any clue what you've been brought into. That's why I can't stop praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Once your eyes opened, your interior life has eyes. Your heart has eyes. Your spirit has eyes. That's why Jesus is praying that you would behold His glory. All right? God wants to wake you up like never before. Let me introduce you to your tour guide. Turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Put your hand on your belly. Why do I got my hand on my belly? Because it's fun. (laughs) Just fun. Because Jesus said out of your belly will flow rivers. And there's a river in there. 2 Corinthians 3, I know, I know she's been hitting this. Paul is going to take the greatest encounter in the Bible, God coming down on Mount Sinai in front of the eyes of a million people. And Paul's whole argument in 2 Corinthians 3 is though a nation saw God on a mountain and Moses coming down shining, he said, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Compared to the glory and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the new covenant. Because the glory that was resting and fading on Moses is now abiding on the inside of you. And it's not fading like it was on Moses' face. But it's ever growing. And it's ever increasing. And the more you look at glory, you're transformed into the same image. See, you ain't got to go up to some mountain. You ain't got to go on some quest. The word, it's not too difficult. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. God's come down to you in the person of Jesus and then takes his very own spirit and places it on the inside of you. And we're running around here. I don't know how to find him. You're a walking tabernacle. You're a walking temple with Shekinah flame dwelling on the inside of you. I don't know how to get to him. And he says, I can't do any more than make you my home. Look at what Paul says. But we all with unveiled face, we behold, there's that word again, beholding, beholding as in a mirror, glory. We are being transformed into the same image. A different image. Here's one of the greatest principles in Scripture. It's the beholding becoming. Whatever you look at is what you become. One of the most demonic phrases for the beginning of 2024 is, i got to try harder. Christianity is not trying harder. It's looking more. 
It's not trying harder. Got to do better. It's looking more. One weak glance moves his heart. The weakest reach of your little heart moves the Son of God. That's why he says it's as in a mirror. It's dim. It's a little bit. It's not the same. But this is what happens every day. When you show up and look at him, something happens. Every time. I don't care how awesome it feels. This is the sad thing is most of us, we don't feel a lot like we do at the conference. So we just think nothing's happening. But Paul tells us, though it's dim and though it's a little bit, every time you look at glory, you're being transformed into the same image. Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You have the tour guide living on the inside of you. You have the tour guide. John 16, he says this, I have many things to tell you, but you can't handle it now. <laughs> Always taking Jack Nicholson. You can't handle it. <laughs> you can't bear it. But however, he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, that's what he'll say. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take of what belongs to me and he'll make it known to you. 1 Corinthians 2, it says this, that eyes not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man things which God has prepared for those that love him. Who in here loves God? Three of you, good. But then Paul dropped a dirty bomb on the planet. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. The Spirit searches all things. How about the deep things? Yes, the deep things of God. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit who is from God so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Friends, you've got Google living on the inside of you. You have the search engine, the one who searches the deep things of God, who knows the Father and knows the Son. Because he is the father and he is the son. And he's dwelling on the inside of you. And he wants to blow your mind. And when you match Holy Spirit, which is nitrogen, and you add the glycerin of the word of God. Kaboom. Kaboom. It's Holy Ghost and Bible. You put those two together on the inside of you, friends. The revelation of Jesus begins to open up. And he didn't just show up in John. Got three amens on that one. We just think he just showed up. This is what I've been just pretty. Look at Luke 24. It's one of my favorite stories. We okay? Just two more hours. I'm feeling that long preaching grace tonight. I feel the long preaching grace tonight. The long preaching grace. (laughs) All right. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is after resurrection. Two guys. And it says two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Okay. So the resurrection's happened. And these two guys, I love this because it's the picture of a couple of dorks. (laughs) It's a couple of confused 
limited understanding. People trying to make sense of the Bible and make sense of what they thought was going to happen and how nothing happens like what they thought. It's us. <laughs> and they talked together of all these things which had happened. Okay, they'd been hearing stories from the women about how they couldn't find the body. And they were sad because they thought Jesus was going to deliver them from Rome. And Jesus goes, I got to come the first time to deal with something stronger than Rome. It's called sin. He'll come a second time to deal with Rome. First coming's internal, second coming's external. And they talked together of all those things which had happened. And while it, I love this. While they conversed and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Anybody been walking in the mall with a best friend and then a third person start walking with you? <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> he goes, hey, buddy, uh, you lost? That's so awkward. They're walking. Jesus, I love Jesus, look at this. Their eyes were restrained. I want you to see eyes. Uh, they couldn't see him. Whether he was showing up as Clark Kent and, or they just couldn't see him in his glory. I don't know. But Jesus is resurrected Jesus. They did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? He, now he's going to butt himself into the conversation. And then we know why one of the guys was sad. His name was Cleopas, okay? <laughs> There's a Cleopas in here. Bless you. I'm playing. It's part of my joke. It's part of my joke. <laughs> That's why he's sad. I hate my name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cleopas is bold, though. He goes, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? <laughs> Where you've been living under a rock? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And i got to ask Jesus this next verse when I get to heaven. He goes, what things? <laughs> if that don't give you insight into the playfulness of Jesus, into the alluring of revelation, he will draw you and pull you in. Can you see the personality of Jesus in what things? Tell me about it. And they go, Jesus, a prophet, and everybody, and they killed him. And we thought he was going to save us. Verse 21, look at the next slide. And it says this, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides this, we've heard stories. They couldn't find his body. All right, go ahead, go to the next slide, and then the next one. And Jesus is now going to go from hearing them complain and share all their victim stories about what they thought was going to happen. And Jesus enters right into rebuke land. He goes, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe. Look at this. In all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all the prophets. He expounded to them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. Jesus says, guys, y'all are so dull. (laughs) Moses was screaming about the prophet who would come greater than him. Exodus talked about the Passover lamb. 
In the Exodus, they threw the tree into the, the dirty waters and it was healed. Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him from the dead and found the ram in the thicket. Woo! Who do you think Joshua saw outside of Jericho? Who do you think was in the burning bush? Jesus popped, 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 popped. Isaiah saw him in his glory. Suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Pop, pop, pop. And then they get to Emmaus. They get to a fork in the road. He walks from Genesis to Malachi. I love this. And then Jesus will always do this. They drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone further. I want to tell you something about the spirit of revelation. Jesus will always give you a measure. And ask you, does that satisfy you? You happy now? See ya. Can't wait for Blocks Conference to come next year. I'll meet you again, but I'll see you. I can't wait for the next event. I can't wait for the next moment. Jesus will always give a measure. And if you're satisfied, you'll live satisfied with what you have. But they, he was inviting them into something he wanted to be laid hold of. He wanted them to lay hold of them. But he wasn't going to force that on them. He awakened it on the inside of them. They constrained him. What is a constraint? That's tackling. Dragging. You ain't going anywhere. And they bring him into the house. They go abide with us. It's towards evening. The day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. It came to pass as he sat at the table. And he took the bread. He blessed and he broke it and he gave it to them. Breaks the bread, hands it to them, and then their eyes were opened. Oh my gosh, it's him. It's him. And they knew him. It's him. And then he vanished. If me and you were having this whole time with the dude and he vanishes, I would look at you and say, did you see the guy vanish? That's what I would say. These guys go back to what they were feeling on the road earlier in the day. And they go, did not our heart burn within us? While he was talking with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. More powerful than a vanishing man is a burning heart. Jesus was preaching Jesus out of Genesis and set their hearts on fire. And we got doctrines of demons that try to separate Old and New Testament. We've got this demonic lies out there says pretty much old doesn't even matter anymore. It's lies from the pit of hell. It's lies from the pit of hell. Generation, you've got to begin to navigate and wrestle through things that aren't primarily about you. That's what we're really dealing with is that God's chosen a people and a nation and you're not the center of the universe. And that affronts our pride and our humanism and our individualism, how we brought in a Gentile Jesus to be all about me. And we've turned every Bible verse into me. And God's saying, I need you to understand there's a story going on. on. 
There's a story that's been going on for thousands of years to bring about redemption to the planet. And in the same way, Jesus wasn't figuratively born the first time. He was naturally, literally born so that he's literally going to return. And he's going to bring redemption to the planet. It's not going to be an allegorical return. A Jewish man is going to step out of heaven riding on a white horse at the sound of the last trumpet and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive shall meet the Lord in the air. But we're not going to float around like fat babies up there. He's coming to stay. And he's coming to establish a literal kingdom on this earth. We're in waiting for that. We're in waiting for that. Guys, we're not the we're not the 25-year-old married couple looking back on wedding pictures when you think about the cross. You need to understand the cross was the betrothal ceremony. Will you be mine? And we're now waiting for the consummation. We're waiting, we're waiting for the consummation, the return of our bridegroom. Our wedding to the Lamb. It's forever being with Him. There's an anointing on this house to bring understanding. That's going to come on you. You're going to increase it. We're going to prepare the bride. Get her wedding garments ready. To prepare to release urgency in the heart of the religious world. We talk about end times. See, the devil's stolen. The devil, I found the devil doesn't waste his time on things that don't hurt his kingdom. So what's he ward over? Women in ministry. Tongues. And end times. Those are the deadly bombs that God has in his arsenal for the last day's church. And we're going to see all those realities. We're going to come in. We're going to see handmaidens of the Lord, prophetesses, and the word of God coming out of our daughters. We're going to see the resurgence, not of tongues as a badge, but tongues as a gateway into the treasure chest of heaven. And then we're going to take back the end times from a couple of weird people in Arkansas and Oklahoma who have tried to name dates and times and been weird when Jesus himself said, I don't even know the day or the hour. Billy Bob in Arkansas don't know it. <laughs> and then you've got to have, and then the devil's standing, no, you can't ever understand it. You need 25 Degrees in Hebrew and Greek to fully understand it. No, the Bible says what it means, and it means what it says. We got to knock off this fear. And see, that, that, that's what happens. It's confusion that breeds fear. And when you're confused, you have fear. But with understanding comes confidence. Yes. My goodness. I want to end with, with this. Revelation chapter 4, there's a door standing open in heaven. I want to go ahead and ask you to stand. Invite the team up here. Sure. Hey, guys, I just want you to know these are the good days. These are the days you're going to look back on in 10 years saying, do you remember? When we were in that little place and crammed in and snot and tears. And <laughs> the prayer meetings with Jessica and her family and the times in that initial season are the seasons that marked my life. 
I don't want you to always be thinking about what's coming. I want you to look around and say, God's here. And I didn't even know it. We're in the middle and I believe God has put his hand on new song. And he is going to breathe on this people. And he's going to release a, a witness and a, and a you have you have good shepherds here. Yes. Jeremiah three fifteen he says I'm going to give you shepherds according to my heart. Yes. And they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. Yeah. You got shepherds. You got a team here that's going to feed you. You got pure worship. All right, there's a door standing open in heaven. There's an invitation for you tonight. The invitation is come up here. I want to show you things. John says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. And one set on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. Emerald rainbows surrounding him. Around the throne are 24 thrones, and on them sit elders robed in robes of white, crowned with crowns of gold. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Before the throne there's a sea of glass, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And around the throne and in the midst of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes, in front and in back, around and within, and they do not rest day or night. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.